Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. I just hadn't hit record in time. Oh, uh, you! I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you do it. Then no, it's too late. Cosmically, uh, it's, too late. it's gone. Uh, up, up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> up your butt, Joe Boo. That's just the best. That was. I can't believe you did that to me. <laughs> I was so hoping that you were recording too. I know it's close. Well, now I'm recording. We've kind of jumped into the joke. You're gonna, oh, well, do it. You're gonna have to do it again later. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll do it as a as a sign off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh God, that's such a great. So, uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm um, good. I'm good. Thanks for so we we had to uh, we were gonna we had told people last week. Well, first of all, who 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 are you, and where can people find you this week? <laughs> this week, people. Let's... Still find me at Rash Pixel. Oh, that's always that's always good. Rashpixel.tv. Uh and uh just go click on show hosts. And you can, I'm just gonna put a big picture of Andy Nelson right on the front of Rashpixel.tv. That's what yes. we're gonna do. It's just gonna be your head. <laughs> Any of the all the shows are Rash going Pixel. to link off of a different piece of your facial anatomy. <laughs> I bet people are, are gonna love that. It, it's it, just gonna it, Eat it up. <laughs> there is no way that's not an improvement over what's up there now. <laughs> <laughs> I know we 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 talk about all these wonderful links that people could click. To. Yeah, I don't. I, like, I you know what I'm going to do. Oh, if we this should is, mention that again. <laughs> no, I, it's because of this. This is what I'm going to do. I actually have a notepad because uh, I don't write. I don't write anything down that we talk about. Sometimes I type it. Like while if we're talking, I'm not that good about keeping notes, so I'm going to do better. Oh, there you go. I'm going to do, I'm going to be better. <laughs> Good laugh. Just give me another chance. <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, so you, uh, Rashpix.tv, you got to follow uh, Andy on uh, on Twitter because he has gems. He just comes up with these gems. Yep. Once a gotta, week. <laughs> got to jump in. <laughs> gems, uh, I tell uh, you. My, my, my. Uh, and you can also uh, make sure you find us on the uh on the itunes it's a great mm. that's a, you know what that's a great place to find us if you just go to itunes and search for us there uh you can find uh movies we like and all of the rash TV shows also on stitcher smart radio you can download <laughs> stitcher on your favorite uh, uh ios device or android device or uh uh you know anything else that that uh, is that matters probably has stitcher on it and uh, you can listen to all sorts of internet talk radio, and including us, all of our shows, which is uh, really handy. And uh, you can follow me at Pete Wright on, on the Twitter and Google Plus and Facebook. Definitely all sorts of great places to find us. What did yes, you want to say? Indeed. Uh, what did you want to say? Do you want to say something? 
I felt like I was interrupting you a little bit. Nope. If you were, I don't remember. Okay. It was probably really important and life changing too, but yeah, <sighs> alas. Yeah. So uh, we yeah, were, but anyway. We, well, we were going to talk about. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. Let's have let's have a confession. We were going right to talk now. about. <laughs> I had a, <laughs> I had a, a first world crisis. Yes, it was today, and so I I wrote. I wrote this text to Andy. There we, I, I am the, it was morning and I was excited about my morning. I was going to get up and I was going to watch Bull Durham, which I haven't seen in a long time. The last time I saw it was on VHS cassette tape, which I oh. used to own. I no longer have a VHS cassette player, uh, let alone any of the movies, which I think I sold off in a fire sale. Eight years ago to people I worked with. I just walked around with a big bin. I said, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar. I just gave for all my movies. And people actually bought my movies. Isn't that great? It was great. There's always a market. There's, There's always a market. And so I don't have that movie anymore. And I was, I, and so I, but I assumed that like, you know, we are living in the future. I should be able to go to iTunes and, and rent it and watch it and be happy. But you know what? You can't. You can't do that. It's not. A you know why that is? What well, do you? Because, did you find because out? Because if we're living in the future, it's the present. <laughs> Man. Uh, sorry. Man. <laughs> Let's try to be. I don't know if that was witty. Did or you just sacrifice? I feel like you just sacrificed a chicken to come up with that line. A whole chicken. <laughs> a live chicken. A live chicken. So yes. I wrote Andy. I said, "Hey." Uh, so I, I tried. I went to. Uh, I went to uh, to iTunes. Not there. Netflix. <laughs> I dare you to be able to stream it on Netflix. Amazon? No. Uh, I even called my local Best Buy. They didn't have it in stock. I was gonna go. I was gonna go buy the movie again, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. This is where the fates conspired against me. So it is back in my Netflix queue. So I, I texted Andy. I said, "Hey, call me when you get a sex. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a first world crisis." It was a great, great text. It was a, so there's <laughs> Andy at work a sex. <laughs> thinking that I've totally changed my worldview on him. And uh, and so we changed things around. And so this this week instead, there's a movie that's much easier to get a hold of. And that movie is uh, Major League. So we're going to talk a little bit about Major League uh, this uh, this evening. I'm excited about it. I'm, this is why I, I was uh, I didn't answer your or I didn't uh, call you right away because uh, I was still watching the movie. It's it's <laughs> it's still funny after all these years. It is. It is a very fun, funny movie. You know, it, it definitely feels like it's stuck in the 80s still. It's not one of those timeless sorts of movies. But that being said, I have it, a theory on that. Still we, has some gems. We can talk about my theory in a minute. Yes, I, have, I totally have a theory on that. Oh, I, I look forward to your theorizing. Yeah. Do, do do you want to talk about anything else that happened to you this uh, this week? Did you see any good trailers? Are you up to speed on the newest stuff? You know... Did you see the, anything uh, else? The, the trailer that I watched that got me most excited this week was the latest trailer that Pixar released for Brave. All right. Was this the, the long-form trailer where you get she shoots all the arrows? No, that was um, that's a little older. That was more of like a little mini scene of yeah, just yeah. A bit. But no, this was a full trailer that they came out with. With uh, had a lot more of the story. Uh, you introduced her little triplet brothers, and 
you just get a sense as to kind of what this whole story is going to be about. And it was a really, really exciting trailer. So I am quite looking forward to that. I have not seen it yet. Well, uh, you should. And Pixar, Pixar rarely um, lets me down with their films. But so. see, no, we have it on the record. I'm gonna, I could find the episode number where you say that you're not excited about this movie. And now you're, oh, Andy's changed his mind. Well, here's, here's the, <laughs> you're probably right. Here's, <laughs> and here's why that is. Flip flopper. Uh, no, <laughs> I should have been a politician. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up, Mitt. <laughs> I could be his running mate. Oh, um, no, Obama. <laughs> that's right. The, um, by the way, did you see the slow jam the news thing? Obama slow jamming I, I the news. I did. It was great. That's good humor, man. All right, go ahead. Tell, tell you the thing about Pixar. Pixar's Pixar. trailers generally suck. <laughs> and it's a strange thing. And I'm not sure if they just don't know how to put a trailer together well or what. Uh, now, now, this latest well, trailer a, I think is quite good. So There's oh. another possibility, and, and that is that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I totally the, disagree with you. That's on that the one. other. That's the other. I'm just saying, in terms of like, if we were to fork this argument, one possibility is they don't know how to do it, and the other is you are wrong. But that's just that's just not likely at all. So, so I know <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> it's all about conviction, baby. It, there you go. Uh, uh, so oh, okay, so you but but you think this trailer is uh, is better, and uh, so that's what we're sticking with this week. Yes, yes, right. I am. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I hope that uh, it does deliver the goods. I mean, regardless, I mean it's gorgeous. The animation for this film is just stunning. Now, hopefully, it will not beat out Tangled on our little list. <laughs> I haven't looked at what the budget is for Bray oh. Bar, but boy, I, I hope that it doesn't knock Tangled off that list. That's a that's uh, not that's, that's not, not a good list. That's not the list you want. That's right. Your uh, yeah, I really uh, hope so. I'll tell you, you know, this is this is my my problem um with Pixar right now is that John Lasseter is you know, he's a full-on imagineer now. You know? Yeah, he's really splitting all of his duties now. He really he? is. And I so I I you know, I'm I'm teaching this uh this class right now and and uh, it's a marketing class and the the one of the teams is is working on a project on Disney and um so I've been sort of ensconced in a lot of, you know, Disney material and and I uh, you know they're they're releasing or they're launching an uh a pretty vast update to California Adventure right uh, with Cars World mm -hmm. right where they're they're doing the whole town oh uh, I Radiator know. Springs have you you're you're up to speed on this right Oh you betcha you betcha So on on YouTube you can get a whole um, <laughs> there's a a lot of material on this on YouTube. And one of the pieces is is a uh, backgrounder uh, with, uh, it's a conversation on stage with John Lasseter and two of the other people from Disney Imagineering and Park Services and Development. And much of it is Lasseter talking. And it's all about, you, you know, it's, it's a, uh, about what he invests in terms of creating a thrill ride that is a story ride. 
and mm. how excited he is about this new test track and that they're doing this huge race through the gorge thing and it's the right. biggest ride they've ever done and and so all that is out there and you can go find it that's fine i found myself so like he was thrilled you could tell he was so excited and i found myself really moved to sadness for the <laughs> you know <laughs> i i miss seeing John Lasseter talk about his next, like, because you could really feel when, when Lasseter is talking about his movies, you feel like he comes at it with that same sense of like, this is a living, breathing, furry thing that he has brought to life. And, uh, and, and has, you know, there just aren't very many filmmakers that, that cater to their own work that way. And I, I, uh, he, he's, uh, you know, he's a suit. He yeah. still wears his fancy Hawaiian shirts, but he's he's a suit. Well, oh, you're <laughs> you're right. I mean, that sounds so I'm, depressing. I'm, when it you is, say and that. I was depressed. That's that was the thing. I love but, it, and so now I should say, I should say, I love that now that sensibility is being applied to the park environment, which I think is is going to be fascinating. And I really look forward to walking into this environment and seeing, you know, sort of the next great evolution of this Disney themed area. Uh, but but I found myself really missing the missing the 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 film touch go ahead the, now you well, can defend no, defend say, him well here's here's what i i think is happening one disney needed some magic brought back he is just the man to do it so they made a smart decision in courting him and bringing him back in i think that was very smart on disney's part two there hasn't been a Walt Disney-like figure like behind the company for quite a while. Michael Eisner definitely had some magic, but he also was very corporate and particularly toward the end of his reign. Michael Eisner uh, wanted to be a talk show host. <laughs> so did Walt Disney. <laughs> for kids. Walt Disney wanted to be, you know, uh, 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 what's his name? Bozo the Clown or Dudley, what's the 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 other cowboy character but but michael eisner wanted to be charlie rose well, there's a very certainly. different thing it, right? he, he, he did, did look that part a little more i suppose um but john lassiter i think yeah has that same sensibility where he's kind of taking on that walt disney role for the company the man with the magic who's kind of has his hands in all the pots now i think it's good for disney However, I think you're right. I don't think it's necessarily good for Pixar. And also, and this is, I guess, number four, John Lasseter is so latched on to the Cars movies. Yeah. Like, he loves those movies so much. And I credit him for, for being so devoted to them and everything. But they are the worst two Pixar films made. And I know there are people who love them, probably mostly car racing fans. But I think they're just just not that great, particularly the second one, which was abysmal. The second one was tough to get through. Um, that's uh, you know, the first one. But but see, the you're right on on in one sense. I did not feel that sort of immediate inspiration for Cars. You know, I, it's grown on me over time, and, yeah, well, and it's got a lot of it's got a lot of heart. And uh, the sub the the secondary characters are really cute, and, and and the the final race is fantastic. It is. It's fantastic. Uh, but. Uh, it, they didn't grab me like, you know, the Toy Story movies. Yeah. All of the Toy Story movies. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, so, uh, you know, I, I, but, but see, all of that is, I, I don't think we've necessarily seen all of it play out as, as Pixar, which, which really, who are we kidding? Pixar is Disney studios now, um, as, as they sort of are infecting Disney over the course of this five to seven year period. Um, you know, I don't think we've really seen the fruits of their labors, uh, well, I John John I, Carter is not a good example of yeah, what gonna, this new. I was going to say, I is. hope that's not a sign. I, I really hope it's not. I'm I it's going to be. We're going to call that a transition, sort of the the, the awkward stage. Uh, and and I <laughs> hope the, that, that that was the pimply teenage years. It surely, it please, <laughs> it please be the pimply teenage years. I think uh, you know. I think Brave is is going to be fantastic. I really, uh, I think it's going. You know, if I look at my kids as any indicator, they are over the moon for mm. this movie i mean they could watch that trailer a thousand times and i think there, you know a big part of it is we have a human protagonist that is a young girl and yeah. that that's a you know that's that's a pretty powerful who's not a message a princess well she is a princess but she's not like yeah. just frolicking in the tower yeah. her nails or yeah. something i mean we're yeah we're getting that that's really it i mean we're getting back to kind of let's let's see if we can we can uh, raise the stakes and modernize the, you know, what has typically been a um, sort of diminished female character. And I think it's, I think all signs point to um, something really inspiring. Yeah. All right. I, I hope so. Uh, I haven't, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been, uh, I've, I've been reading. God, it's terrible. I've been reading so much. Shame on I you! I haven't seen any movies. What are you thinking? Do you know what it is? Uh, oh. So I finished the fourth uh, Game of Thrones book, the fourth of the Ice and Fire books. Uh, you are plowing through those. Things. I know it's plowing, well. It's not even those, those are that. big books to plow through. Oh, thousands of awful, just thousands of pages. I feel like I'm fermenting. But what I actually finished too. This was my daughter was made me uh, get through all of the uh, all the books in the Inheritance cycle. Are you mm. up on that? Aragon and uh, oh, sure, sure, eldest yeah. and okay. So I, I find myself sad about that series. Hmm. It's a it's a four book series. I just yeah. finished Inheritance uh, early this morning, and uh, which is the fourth book. And I found myself really sad because you know what? That could have been something. It could have been a contender, Andy. Yeah, it really could have. They butchered. The first book. And you know what happens when they take the first book and they butcher it. They can't quite get back into it. They can't. And the, the series ends up getting shelved. And uh, and it's really too bad because the movie, um, you know, they ended up just cutting and pasting from the first two, you know, elements from the first two books and ended up taking it so off track that that it, it became a one uh, a one movie series and it could have been really special i mean it needed the whole peter jackson treatment you know it, it really needed to yeah. be taken seriously as a as a sci-fi property and it just was not as a fantasy well, property and i think that's the problem with a lot of those is um they have a hard time figuring out how to translate it right they don't have the budget well they're, they don't have the people they're cramming for time they don't get the people yeah and it just you know, I mean, I haven't seen. Um, was the other one the um, uh, the Lightning Thief? Yeah, Percy, Percy Jackson. Jackson. That's Thief. another one, which is a, ends up being, I think, a six or seven book series. Uh, and uh, you know, those books are hugely popular at my house. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, just in I've I've read the first two aloud, uh, you know, to my kids over the years, and and uh, they're very fun. They have great 
characters that kids can relate to. And they end up being properties that that I think, you know, have a really naturally uh, translatable element to them and uh, to the screen. And and I think it's just God, man, um, you know, movies are expensive. I know that's true. Yeah, it's but not this, like a sitcom where you can have a rough first season exactly, and still do a and, second and one. Recover. Although I, is, I guess with Percy Jackson, actually, they are making the sequels. So are right? they? I've heard nothing yeah. about that. I need to look yeah. that up right this second. I was a little surprised to hear. Uh, but maybe maybe it did well overseas. I don't know. Did well overseas. <laughs> that's a curse. Uh well it anyway, so that that's what we've uh, that's what I've I finished. And so I you know, now I feel like I I can get back to, you know, some real serious movie watching. Excellent. Yeah. That's more like it. Uh <laughs> Like Bull Durham. <laughs> sea of Monsters. Percy Jackson, the Sea of Monsters. Look at that. The son of Poseidon and his friends head to the Sea of Monsters. That is big news. And Nathan Fillion is in it. Are you kidding? Well, I guess you uh, can make a sequel better. That is great. I'm and Percy Jackson, excited. I'm looking at it right now. It it costs $95 million. Domestically, it made eighty-eight million. Didn't do very well. Internationally, though, it made one hundred and thirty-seven point six million. That total so, gross, total global gross, or like worldwide that, gross? That or was is international, that... and so total worldwide, two twenty-six point five. About yeah, all right. And then That's... DVD domestically about all, not quite thirty-eight. So you know, it made money. It made money back. It just didn't. Um, it probably didn't explode into a Harry Potter phenomenon. But obviously, it made enough to uh, to warrant the uh, see the sequel. Well, and that's a problem. Is it, that ended up being sort of? I think the problem is that it was competing with the Harry Potter series, you know. And yeah. the Harry Potter series is done, and I think there is a hole as a result. There is a void uh, mm -hmm. in in uh, you know a a long series for that age group, which is a, an extremely um, uh, from a marketing perspective, an affluent age group. Yeah. So, right. uh, all right. Um, you know, let's, uh, what do you want to, let's talk about this movie. Let's Can we talk about baseball. So, you know what? I, there are two things that I love about this movie the, right off the top of, of my head. And one of them, uh, and both of them are new things oh, that okay. I just, that I just recognized today. First, Randy Newman. Does the they they put the title song uh, of mm. the film is that Randy Newman? Uh, That's such a downer song. of a song. Such a downer of a song. But <laughs> so we talked so much about Randy Newman last week. I thought, isn't it funny that we skip a decade and now we're doing this this other movie, which is essentially a, essentially a comedy that doesn't know it's a comedy all the time. <laughs> uh, and it it opens with Randy Newman. I got so excited. He's he's like the the musical voice of baseball. Yeah, it's it was a great song, and actually, it fits really well uh, perfectly for for the Indians. You know, a, a team that had uh, had struggled uh, for a very long time trying to uh, win the World Series, and uh, so it really fit in with that vibe. And we'll talk about that more later. But to tell me the other standout. Okay, the other standout is that in two thousand eleven, Charlie Sheen came out and said that he was doping for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I thought that was awesome. That was was another one I didn't know. Eddie says that uh, he was on steroids for for two months in order to uh, improve his athletic (laughs) athletic game for this movie. I it it really shows, Charlie. <laughs> totally shows. Are, are, they, they, are you making fun of Charlie? They say he. Uh, they say is, at the time his fastball was eighty five miles per hour, and that yeah. I I hear is uh, I hear is pretty fast. He he. You know, this is something I think that is going to warrant talking about for all of these baseball films. That not to. Um, Set you off track or change the subject? No, anything, I was done. But, I got nothing. Okay, else. Uh, so I was uh, not interrupting. No. Playing baseball is, you know, it's it's a it's a great. Uh, there, the, it requires athletic ability, especially if you're meant to look like you're playing for the majors. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to look like you know what you're doing. Now, acting, there are a lot of things that actors can do to look like they are, they know something, they're doing something. You know, actors can look like a million different things and we totally buy into it. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you can't fake is, is actual athletic ability that actually makes it look like you really are doing something that a professional does. That is so true. And that, that you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, when you look at guys... Uh, I think in that respect, okay, the obvious one for me in this movie is Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. right? That that dude, he he's very obviously a physical guy. He is yeah. has an athletic background. He you know he looks when he runs up the when they're doing sprints in the very beginning and he runs in his pajamas barefoot. Uh huh. I mean, he he might as well be running from a lion. Like he looks so strong. That would be great to see a lion behind that. I uh, I have a story about that that may spoil that one for you. Oh no! But but here's here. But you're right well, though. I, I he looks like he, knows. he looks good, and and he's totally believable. The other yeah. one that uh, that the sort of counter to that that really surprised me uh, is Corbin Burnson. Yeah. Uh, because that boy, that guy ends up, you know, he's a guy who, who ends up making a really dramatic improvement mm-hmm. over the course of this movie in his just, you know, physical ability. He first is terrified of the ball. He won't get hit by the ball. He then spends, uh, you know, we, we then have the duration of a whole, you know, montage where he is <laughs> just pummeled by balls. Right. And in, and ends up making you know uh, making the appearance of some very strong plays toward the end of the game, and and that improvement, uh, you know, I think really highlights your point that these guys are, you know, especially guys like Corbin Burnson, who I never took very seriously. Well, Corbin Burnson actually knows how to play ball pretty well, and he played. I think he played for the Hollywood All Stars, actually. I, uh, yeah, which, yeah. Which actually even speaks more to the point that when you know how to play baseball. It's almost harder to, to look bad. To look bad, right? Yeah. And and so it's 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 fantastic. Like Wesley Snipes, when he had to keep hitting those those pop ups, yeah. you know, time after time after time, that's really a, a a difficult thing to do to be able to hit it so specifically to, one after the other. And and that Tom Berenger has bad knees. Totally believed that. <laughs> 
Oh, you. But Char- but going back to Charlie Sheen, yeah, pitching. You know, he yeah. really had to know how to pitch. He had to look like he could pitch in the majors, and he does. And he threw. Um, he was throwing in the low to mid eighties, which is which is great. Um, now, I, a little trick that I learned that they would use to make it look like he was throwing even faster is they would move the home plate up like about ten feet toward him, and they would shoot behind the catcher and the and the hitter. And when he would throw the ball, and whether it, they hit it or caught it. Um, just the fact that the base is 10 feet farther forward, it actually makes it look like it's getting to home plate that much faster. <laughs> and so it looks like he's throwing nine, like high nineties to a hundred miles per hour. That's so, fantastic. I did yeah. not know that. I did not, uh, unc- that's, that's really, that's a great trick. I'd be interested to know if they pulled any of that with uh, Robert Redford. <laughs> right, 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 right. So the the other yeah. one I, I think we should at least call out in that same respect is uh, Chelsea Ross, uh, who is the other pitcher, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. you know was significantly older than than Charlie Sheen, and you know was the seasoned, uh, you know the seasoned right hander, and uh, he just. I, I just thought physically he he nailed it. He looked like he hurt, but still had just really you know, believable form yeah. to to a guy who knows not a thing about, you know, what is good form. I totally believed it. Uh, <laughs> no, he, he did great. He did great. I mean, they all, they all really did a good job. Uh, you know, Dennis Haysbert. I mean, Oh yeah, they, they're all, they're all fantastic. Well, and, and here's the thing when you're, when you are a fan of baseball and you play baseball, and actually Charlie Sheen did play baseball when he was younger. So, I mean, he already knew how to pitch and, and everything. So, um, but all of these, uh, these people, if you're, if you're a fan and you really are into it, you're able to really kind of get that, get into the vibe and really kind of make it happen and make it look believable. Now they can use some camera tricks here and there to kind of cheat it. But if you have the, the talent to do it, you, you have so much better chance of making a a good baseball film. Mm -hmm. And I think, David S. Ward, who wrote and directed this, um, who's always been a huge fan of Cleveland since he grew up in Cleveland, um, he knew that and he knew going into making this that he had to cast with people who really knew how to play so that they looked like they were, they were doing right, even if they threw funny or whatever. And, you know, he knew if he, if he cast people who were, who were baseball fans and had had played baseball or understood it or could really kind of make themselves look believable, then he would make a film that people would buy into. Yes. I, you know, it's, I think we, we should talk more about David Ward because, uh, I, you know, I had not, I like, you know, this movie, it's on the list, right? I like this movie. I've, Mm -hmm. I have a soft spot in my heart for this movie. Right. Sure. But I hadn't taken it, uh, terribly seriously. And when you said, oh, we should include this movie in, you know, in our <laughs> baseball series, I, I thought, well, uh, okay. Like, yeah, I, you know, I like that movie. Major League was good. It's kind of good. But you know what? My, you know, it's not as, it's not as goofy as I remember it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, far better. And I think a lot of that comes from um, the just straight up talent in David Ward and what he brings to the, what he brings to the script. Uh, yeah. So David Ward, 
boy, I had not made this connection at all until I started looking into it. This guy wrote The Sting and uh -huh. uh, the adaptation of Cannery Row and Sting 2 and Save It, Milagro Beanfield War, uh, before he got to Major League. And since then, you know, uh, King Ralph, Sleepless in Seattle, Major League 2, Major League Back to the Minor. He loves the Major League stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, it's his series. It's his series. But but Flyboys, uh, you know, on, on top of directing uh, both Major League, but uh, the program Major League Two. I mean, he's 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 directed, but his, you know, the writing that he did from the, you know, the 70s to the early 90s was really top notch. I mean, great. Yeah. Uh, some really great work. And I think that, you know, bringing that sort of skill to a, a, a comedy like this brings it, it sort of elevates it to to something different yeah no you're right it's um somebody who understands telling a story and and creating characters that are that have more to them and um you know there's a lot of really interesting characters in this and it's 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 not there it's not a perfect film but it's it's done in such a way where it just has this heart to it you know so to, uh, expand on why you uh you think this is an important movie for us to talk about in the baseball series why did you want this on the list well you know it's david s ward i i really enjoy um his films mostly it's this and the sting those are the two that i really like and sleepless in seattle mm -hmm. um and uh, you know I have a soft spot in my heart for this one since my, like I said, my great, great uncle played for the team mm -hmm. and it's a fun movie. This is a movie that reminds me of, of, uh, my youth going back and watching, uh, just watching these fun movies, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's certain movies that always stick with you from your youth and it takes you back there. And this is one of those movies. It's just, you know, like, like I said, when we started, it does have some, it's kind of stuck in the 80s a little bit. But, it, gosh, it's just such a fun film. And there's just so many little things and little details and just fun little moments that every time I watch it, I mean, I still find myself laughing out loud. And it's a fun film. I mean, it's not a film that, you know, is The Natural or All the President's Men or, you know, something with, you know, big importance. But it's fun. And that's what I love about it. You know, on that on that point, and one of the things that sticks out to me, and just back to the economy or back to the the structure, of the script, and the it, it's really a, an efficiency. I think uh, more than anything else is uh, David Ward's uh, um, economy of comedy, mm -hmm. uh, and and I think you know when you look at some more of the uh, you know there's this whole series of the you know. I don't know. I sort of characterize them as the Sean William Scott comedies. Uh, right. Right. And and you see that there is a lack of economy where the jokes go on too long or the punchlines come too late or uh, there, you know, I, I wonder if there's a, you know, if I was looking earlier for some so somebody who has sort of tabulated how many jokes per movie in this style of movies, right, in the genre. <laughs> uh -huh. Because I think the jokes per movie uh, has gone down. Oh, over the years it, because the jokes are more pained and take yeah. longer to get out and when you look at this movie that is part of the real artistry of this movie because uh you get these one-liners that 
have you laughing, you know, minutes after they're delivered, well after, you know, three, four, five more jokes have hit, uh, you know, particularly in these early games and the early mo- montage sort of elements when Bob Euchre is doing the color commentary. And uh, I mean, that guy, he's just too good. The uke. It's really good. So you look at all these jokes. They are they're one-liners. They are written uh, with efficiency in mind. Sort of get in, get out. Let the actor do what the actor needs to do. Don't don't pain us over it, and just move on. And I think as a result, you end up with a movie that is comedically paced really, really well. Yeah. And and it keeps it going all the way through. It's just this steady pace. You're mm-hmm. right. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Uh, let's see. It, you know, the other thing that surprised me is that I think when you look at this movie in terms of staying power is just the the number of one-liners that I had forgotten were associated with this movie. You know, that's, you know, this movie did create a lot of baseball one-liners that yeah. still get still get used on SportsCenter. I mean, th- that are just infused in the in the American culture now. It's amazing how this this film created so much of that. And you know what else is interesting that I didn't know is this film, you know, with um Charlie Sheen's character, um Ricky Wild Thing. Mhm. That character, uh, when like at the end of the film, when he walks out and the whole stadium just erupts in singing X's wild thing and they're just jamming out to it. And as he walks out to the mound, that was really the first time that people did this sort of thing for for uh, like when somebody new was coming out onto the field or whatever. And since then like all these players now have songs associated with them so when they come out this the whole crowd erupts into a song and all that stuff (laughs) this movie created that phenomenon so it's interesting how this film has created so many things that are infused in american and in baseball culture absolutely and who knew? It's, I, I wonder, yeah, I mean, you, you say it's, in, in, it's sort of infused in the culture. I, I think by definition, we forget to attribute once it's cultural. Uh-huh. Yeah. But this movie is, has, you know, spawns sort of a great <laughs> lineage, athletic and comedic. Uh, I had somebody the other day do the knee, the knee arm crossing thing to me. You know, the when Tebow? When they're all sitting in the sitting in the thing. Oh, that right. And the whole team crosses their uh-huh. knees the other way. Nice. And nice. Uh, it 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 was like unreal context shock. That's so uh, like I knew I knew it. I knew I knew where it was from, but I had no no idea. And I knew exactly <laughs> how to do it. Right. That I just couldn't couldn't uh, tell you what it was from. And but you're right. That's what happens. Is all of a sudden it's just part of the culture, and and you don't attributed to anything yeah. anymore because it's just there it's something people do yeah. you know like the wave i mean where did that start exactly that <laughs> was i want to pinpoint when the wave started well especially uh when when the uh, indian fans are looking at each other and he says hey uh, ricky we should we should maybe try that wave thingy <laughs> yeah <laughs> perfect and then two of them do it that's great oh man Haywood leads the league in most offensive categories, including nose hair. And this guy sneezes. He looks like a party favor. Oh, man. Yeah. Good old Bob Euchre. You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? (laughs) 
up uh, your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> uh, that obviously is not the best uh, Joe Boo line, but uh, there's a lot of great, you lines. know. Oh <laughs> uh, well, so that's my favorite Joe Boo line. It just makes me laugh. the way that he delivers it is he's so too funny. good. Oh man! <laughs> so this movie uh, ended up making some money. It did okay. It uh, it didn't blow anyone out of the water. I mean, it cost eleven million. It made domestically not quite fifty million. So it it made its money back. It obviously was enough to spur on two sequels and to create a its own little franchise. So you know, I think for all intents and purposes, it's uh, it was uh, a good investment for them to make. So it, it uh, was, according to the studios, better than Joe versus the volcano. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> uh. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those movies that just kind of naturally fits in the, in the gestalt of eighties comedies, but it does so in a way that is, um, that I think is more elegant. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I should have been watching this movie more over the last several years. It's, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of humor in here and I, uh, I'm glad to bring it back. There's a lot of good stuff, and it's it's nice to see people like Dennis Haysbert in it. You know, I think this was one of his first bigger roles, and it was so great seeing him. And I had so completely forgotten yeah. that he was in this. Totally and then forgotten. I saw him like, it's President David Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, uh, so that that's a really good point. When you look at the cast list on this thing, I mean, unreal the yeah. the people who hadn't quite gotten started that were in this movie. I mean, even uh, you know, even Wesley Snipes at that point. Yeah, I think it was only uh, like his second film. Or I so. I wasn't be- I wasn't always betting on black at this <laughs> point. That didn't and, come till later. And I gotta say, Wesley Snipes is great in comedy. Yes, and he hasn't done. I mean, he's he definitely has comedies that he's done, but <laughs> but I, then he found his kung fu jitsu. Yeah, um, I, I'm passenger forty four, and and things just and solving uh, murders at sixteen hundred. Yeah, and... it's just not the same. He's got great timing, uh, oh. and his eyes. He's got this just. It's this weird. He's he's got the Rodney Dangerfield eyes a little bit. <laughs> he can pull off that kind of crazed, surprised look that is perfect for these movies. Yeah. Uh, so Dennis and... Haysbert, Rene Russo. You know, that was, I I really kind of totally forgot that she was the love interest in this. Yeah. For some reason, I think I had completely not ever noticed her until Lethal Weapon 3, which probably, you know, um, I think it was a, a two or three years after this. And I, uh, that was the first time that I she probably got a lot of notice because I, as I recall at the time, it was really an interesting role because she was like just as aggressive as, as Mel Gibson's character. They were doing that little scar comparison thing and everything. So she really stood out in lethal weapon three. Yeah. And that, and then she kind of, you know, kept things going after that. But major league, I think was one of her first breakout things. And, um, yeah, it was nice surprise. And is it, is it me or does she look like Drew Barrymore's sister or something? Yeah, she does. I mean, it's uncanny. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm go- yeah, Major League was her first film. And what's happened to her? <laughs> well, she was th- in Thor. I know. 
So, uh, and so I say again, what's happened to her? <laughs> oh, yeah. But who was she in Thor? Who's Frigga? Frigga. Is that, it was that, uh, I don't even know who that is. She's like, she's like, I don't know, a, a few characters off from uh, was she something Odin's derogatory. Wife? Was she Odin's wife? Is that who that was? I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. That okay, say she, yes. Um, you know what? I think it all started going downhill for her when she did the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. That was a that was a poor choice. Yeah, I don't think it was wise. Yes, she's the she's the queen of Asgard, wife to Odin, stepmother to Thor, biological mother to Baldur, and foster mother to Loki. <laughs> wow! I just pulled Thank, that out. Um, thanks. Uh, yeah, Frigga. <laughs> oh, so uh, that was hers. Uh, let's see. So Tom Berenger. Um, yeah, and you know this. You know, as I'll just keep throwing things in. But I forgot how much I enjoyed Tom Berenger, and I have not seen him since. Uh, well, I mean, he's kind of been popping up, like uh, um, in some of the um, like he was in Life, the Lifetime and, Lifetime Entertainment movies. You mean an Inception? Well, no, I'm saying he he's popped yeah, up he in was a few in Inception. Inception. He was in yeah, Inception. That's what I said. Yeah, no, yeah, I was, he's, I was like, violently agreeing with you. Christopher Nolan is kind of, you know, some of these new directors attach themselves to old stars who yeah. we all used to love and they're like bringing them back like in Mickey one way or Rourke. another. And I, I love seeing that because I, I really enjoyed him when I was younger. Some of some of his films from the 80s and 90s. And then I think he kind of. Well, let me ask you this. Did you know, for example, that there was a Sniper 2 and a Sniper 3? Boy, I had no hmm? idea. No, he sure kept the, those company, didn't he? Uh, and and that was a full sort of those those two movies came out back to back for him, uh, a full twenty movies after Sniper One. What happened there, Tom Berenger? Yeah. Wow, yeah. whole lot of stuff. Shadow of Doubt. No idea. That was uh, I don't know. Training was, Day. Training Day. That was something, right? Yeah, yeah. Gingerbread With, Man. Uh, I mean, that was a Denzel. Uh, you know, Robert Altman. Uh, yeah, so he's had Robert his thing, Altman, but it was uh, nothing. Nothing was he. He really didn't have a, another uh, big chill. You know what I mean? I don't. Know. Uh, platoon. Come on. Yeah, born on the fourth of July. Yeah. All right, I'll give that to you. Major All right. League. What Major League? There you go. And so back to Major League. Charlie Sheen. Wow. He's come a long <laughs> way. Uh, uh, Margaret Witten uh, as the... Uh, you know, we haven't talked at all about the plot. I feel like this is one of those episodes your wife's going to get mad at us about. Uh, we haven't <laughs> talked about the plot. So the, uh, the, the plot of the movie is this. The fictitious... We have to say this out loud now. This is not about the real Cleveland Indians. Um. And uh, and so the, the this fictionalized version of the Cleveland Indians is on a losing streak. The owner uh, die or di dies or divorces. I think di dies, dies right? Dies. dies and the widow Rachel Phelps, uh, played by the devious uh, Margaret Whitten. Margaret Whitten. Uh, decides that she's going to try and execute the escape clause in the contract to move the team to Florida out of mm -hmm. out of um, out of Cleveland, and in order to do that, they have to drop attendance 
uh, to the games to the point that'll trigger that escape clause so that it's mm-hmm. no longer worth having the team there. And then she can get rid of the team and bring in, you know, better players and have a new team in Florida. So that that's the the premise. There is a really interesting um, bit of background on the end of this movie and her character in particular. Yeah. Oh, talk about that. You You tell it. it's uh the ending which luckily they changed after they win she uh she tells lou the manager uh who's quitting he's like i'm not going to work for you um you're you're sabotaging the team she tells him that no 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 i really love the team i never wanted to move them i did this whole trick on you ha 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 so that you guys would would muster up the the you know, gumption to go out there and actually win it. And uh, I think what Ward was trying to do when he wrote that was create a version where, you know, he didn't want people to feel like there had to be this bad guy or something. People hated it in test screenings. Big surprise. Yeah, I know. It's a horrible idea. People absolutely hated it. They, They spend so much of this movie not liking this woman that when you pull this twist on them, they're like, uh, are you serious? Come yeah, on. there has to be a Cruella. When you're yeah. going to pitch her as Cruella, she's got to stay Cruella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Yeah, and like, can you imagine that in 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> Cruella? I was really just tricking you guys. Yeah. I just wanted Psych. to stay home. I was remodeling your house this whole time. I <laughs> love puppies. <laughs> I'm a puppy fanatic. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, especially after they so disrespected her with the the stripper cardboard cutout scene, right? Yeah, I mean, right. it's just a, you know, once you go down that road, it's really hard to, hard to, it's it's a kind of a dirty trick to to give that alternate ending. Have you seen it? Have you no, seen the I alternate? I don't think they. I don't think it's available. It's I'm on the. Sure. It's on the Wild Thing edition. Well, it's not uh, on the wild thing edition that i watched well but i think maybe maybe it's on, maybe the, it's on the wild thing edition volume two only for people not named andy oh man it's, us andy's in the world the, are feeling like we've been stabbed you in the were mouth. you this was blame your parents they messed yeah. this up this is on them <laughs> i'm gonna go call my mother right now <sighs> So no, it's that yeah. that's uh, I'm glad they didn't they didn't mess that up. So that was uh that was the good uh, Margaret Witten. James Gannon as Lou Brown. You know, wait, Margaret Witten, do you know what I remember her from? I'll always remember her face. <laughs> wait, 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 don't 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 tell me. Uh I don't think I'm going to. The secret of my success. She is Michael J. Fox's oh, aunt. Oh, <laughs> Do you remember her in that? No, that's one of my very favorite movies. That's a Do I movie. remember her from that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's just great. Wow. So. That was a great, great movie. Yeah. The Evil Ant. That There's... was that movie is I that was these are the formative movies. That one there was the one I can't even remember what it was called, but it was the one where the kid was uh, he was the night cleaner in like a Target, and they locked him in, and he met uh, what's her name on roller skates. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, it was another kind of moving up the ladder thing. He had been lying to all his friends, telling them that he got this great job and had Big to wear a job. suit. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can blanking on it though. <laughs> Come on, uh, uh, and uh, I know whoever's you know who's <laughs> going to get this Sarmento. 
He's going to totally get this. He's going to post <laughs> yes. it in our Google Plus. He's out mowing his lawn right now. And this is one of our <laughs> listeners who's always uh, posting uh, responses to things when Andy and I get stuff stu- stupid. In fact, my Google Plus just beeped. Steve Sarmento mentioned you in a post. He may be doing that. We're not even live, and he could already be answering this. That's right. All right. What was that movie where he's locked in the thing? I'm going to go find it. And uh, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to add that to the list because clearly <laughs> it's worth talking about. Uh, okay. What else do you have on this movie? I feel like we, uh, uh, so there was Margaret Witten. We had, uh, I wanted to talk career about career opportunities, James Gammon and uh, career opportunities. I'm telling you, <laughs> career opportunities. <laughs> that <was> totally it. <laughs> that was totally it. Yes. I, I Googled. <sighs> How did movie you... where a guy is locked in a store. <laughs> uh, you know why I would have found that is because that uh, Jennifer Conley, she is something. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. You know who wrote that movie? I do. I do. And that's actually another reason we should have known it, because we should do a whole thing on him, too. Uh, old John, John Hughes. We should. We should. Okay. Uh, so, so the Indians. So, so this movie... Ward wrote this film because as a lifetime Indians fan, he felt that the only way he was going to ever see them win a World Series is if he made a movie about it. <laughs> 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 Which is great because they, I mean, they hadn't won a World Series um, since, what was it, like 59, I think? Wow. Something like that. That's um, the uh, the diehard pennant and so it was a long long run and that's why they you know they called it the 30-year slump it was this long period and after this movie came out then of course they went to the world series twice 54 54 is when it was so 95 is when they when they won yeah yeah uh they so they, it was five. That was six years later. Six years later, right? Mm-hmm. This was eighty nine. Yep. This was eighty nine. April eighty nine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, yeah, and you think it was because of the? Uh, you think it's because of the movie? Oh, yeah, of course, totally was. Interested. <laughs> I'm interested in that connection. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I'm sure it's all attributed to David Ward. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> guy's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. That's the truth. Yes, uh, I know. You know, he he invents the singing when the relief pitcher comes out. He, uh, you know, creates. He invent, the, David Ward invents the wave. He invents the wave. Yeah, and he gets the Indians to the World Series twice. And he was Ken Burns' father. She didn't know that. <laughs> Different names. <laughs> but it was all. He's the he's the foster love love parent of of baseball's favorite documentary son <laughs> i've i've lost my i've derailed you're, you're out there <laughs> totally man. derailed out there. so last week yes last week i mentioned that my great great uncle tell us more was, about this was in in the in uh played for the indians eustace so eustace nelson <laughs> eustace. right Wamscons. bill Wamscons. bill Wamscons. so you were like wow a a uh a, uh, uh, I'm just totally blanking right now. So he caught the tri- he did the triple play, right? How do you spell Wamsconce? W A M B S G A N S S. 
He played for the Indians uh, 1914 to 1923. He, then he joined the Red Sox and ended his career with the Athletics. Okay. So this this was the historic World Series triple play. I'm just going to read this to you straight off Wikipedia. Please do. So, that I can ex- so it makes more sense than me trying to reword it. In the fifth inning of Game 5 of the 1920 World Series played at League Park, Wamsconce caught a line drive batted by Clarence Mitchell, stepped on second base to retire Peter Kilduff, and tagged Otto Miller coming from first base to complete the first unassisted triple player in World Series history. Earlier in the game, Wamsconce's teammate Elmer Smith hit the first grand slam in World Series history off Brooklyn Robins pitcher Burley Grimes in the first inning with none out. The historic blast scored Charlie Jamison, Wamsconce, Tris Speaker, and Smith. Brooklyn fell to the Indians in an 8-1 loss. Cleveland winning pitcher Jim Bagby also helped himself by hitting a three-home run three-run home run in the third. It was first home run hit by a pitcher in modern World Series history. So I obviously went a little longer. But you know, so that's what he did. So it's pretty exciting. That is exciting. And I love the I love the picture of him. I can totally, I, you know, I see you in that outfit. I could play him in the Your movie. Little, with the baseball jodhpurs. <laughs> they do look like jodhpurs. They though. do look like jodhpurs. <laughs> <laughs> this, those, were uh, those were the days those were the days my friend do we have anything else to uh to talk about with this uh with this great film do you have any other notes i i don't i i think oh oh i do have something i wanted to say i'm sorry yeah. you you first go no i, I said i don't <laughs> oh. uh what i wanted to say was we were talking about whether or not the film was dated oh yeah yeah you you said i i'm gonna go into that more we did. We had a. There was. A, there was a thing about that, and I. Uh, I need to bring up. Bring up my own notes. Um, the the trick with this. So uh, James Newton Howard did the score. Yes. Right. So we we like that. Yeah, I uh, love James Newton Howard. We do. We we, we love James Newton Howard. Um, he did the music for for uh, the Last Airbender. <laughs> but he did not do, the soundtrack. No, no. This this is my theory. I, and I know there are still movies that that sort of separate the soundtrack and the score. But what I am what I'm noticing is that these movies that we talk about that actually have a separate soundtrack and a uh, and a separate score uh end up not uh, end up coming off as dated sooner. Hmm. That's an interesting theory that could pose true. And I think a lot of that is particularly because if a soundtrack doesn't have enough songs to fill an album, they're Mm -hmm. still going to want to push more songs onto that to create an album to get out there. So they get all these artists to create songs that were inspired by. Songs inspired by, right. Yeah. And that's when you get really, really abysmal soundtracks. There There is a great... Uh, you know, I, I think there are some other great examples of this, and and I think when the scores go south is when they start shoehorning, you know, the pop tunes on top of them, and they always there's always that pop tune that they put in the credits right at the end of these movies, and I think you know Robin Hood is one of the 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 Costner Robin Hood is one of the great examples where the score was uh, I thought terrific, um, and and has some really memorable themes, and then they have that stupid. Everything I do, no, or was that the one? Yeah, I do it, yeah. it for you. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. 
but they wear that badge uh, with shame, my friend. Well, but as a as you're right, but as a theme, when that that song is played as the love theme in the film, it works great. It's a great song. The theme, you're right. The theme yeah. works. The pop version of it does not, yeah. and and that actually now makes it seem uh, dated. Yeah. Um, luckily the pop version was not actually played in the, you know, Robin <laughs> in the actual film, but right. so yeah, these films the where, it, you know, and, and there are others, uh, what was the, um, the Rob Lowe movie with, uh, Demi Moore, uh, that I loved so much at the time. It was based on sexual perversity in Chicago by David Mamet about, about, last, about night. last night. That is, that is one that totally does not stand the test of time, not because of Demi Moore's hair, which is dated, yeah. not because of the fashion, because, leg warmers are dated but because of the soundtrack which is totally dated music dates itself before film i think which is crazy it 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 does you're right and it's it's a tricky balance though especially in a film where so much of it takes place in a bar like about last night mm-hmm. or in where you have to have exactly yeah you have to have it music. it has to fit in the only solution i think for that is to is to create it where it's like either um, a mix of a wide variety of music, mm-hmm. um, or or, go or it's a, or, or it's period. Yeah, yeah. Or or you know, or your protagonist only listens to you know Rush. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you date the music <laughs> intentionally, but you know, Beverly Hills Cop uh, does not hold up as well because of songs like the heat is on when the pointer sisters kick in you're like hmm it just doesn't do it so that's my theory i think we need to start a we need to start a uh, some sort of a list with a catchy name the list of films with bad soundtracks and particularly awful pop songs based on great scores how's that for a title we're gonna need to work the acronym out of that it'll may take some massaging (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna take some massaging but we can do it that's all I had. That was my whole theory. And now we've, uh, I think we've wasted a lot of time. Great but movie. Yeah. Uh, much funnier. Uh, actually, it, you know, I, I said in the beginning, it was a movie that uh, is a comedy that didn't quite remember it was a comedy the whole way through. It's a movie that has more heart than you expect. And, yeah. uh, and I, I quite enjoyed uh, watching it again more critically. Thanks for yeah, making me do it. Yeah, it's nice to look at it again. You know, it's, it's a fun film to rewatch and revisit. And, and uh, it brings you back to to those times with bad soundtracks. <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Well, say goodnight to my wife and your kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your, I got it in there. <laughs> up your butt, Jobu. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022... We switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. 
After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>